Welcome to Hans Athletics episode number seven. Today we interview Daniel Ryan, who is the head strength and conditioning coach of Idaho State University here in Pocatello, where we are located. We talk about training, uh, methodologies, high school athletes, and what he wish wishes he could see from athletes coming into his D1 program. Um, we kind of get into some training methodologies as well as um, kind of problem areas we are seeing with youth athletics and the way that they are training and specializing in sport. I want to take this time to politely ask you guys after this episode to leave us a review. Um, We can do that either on iTunes or Spotify. Just look up the Hanson Athletics podcast as well as check out our 5013C charity Strong, Beautiful, Capable. It is a charity designed to provide scholarships and training for women that have been sexually assaulted. Women or men, sorry, depending on who applies for the scholarship. Um, Lastly, check out our website, hansathletics.com. We have some awesome training programs going on, as well as some single by um, six-week template type deal. And if you're in Pocatello, always come check us out. We do a free assessment And I appreciate you guys listening to this episode. Um, Let me know what you think about it. It's been awesome to have Daniel on and enjoy. We're here with Daniel Ryan. He is the head strength conditioning coach for ISU, so Idaho State University here in Pocatello, Idaho, where we're located out of. And uh, we'll let Daniel just kind of tell you a little bit about himself and his experience. And then we'll get into um, some questions we have about the program and how it ties into the private sector. So, Daniel. Awesome. Thanks for having me, guys. This is my second year, starting my second year here at Idaho State, um, working in the strength and conditioning. I run the strength and conditioning department, one-man show here for our 13 varsity athletic teams, so keeps me plenty busy. It's yeah. fun. Yeah. No, not a dull moment. It's actually my sixth year. Going into my sixth year in strength and conditioning, it would be my 11th year coaching in an NCAA institution. So I started off as a football coach at the University of Montana okay. back in 06 and kind of worked my way up, got into the weight room and kind of stuck there and haven't gone back since. So yeah, here we are. Yeah, and then you mentioned you went to UNLV yep. for a while. Yep, spent five years there. So I went to UNLV, worked as a graduate assistant strength and conditioning coach working with football um, once I finished my GA they hired me on as a full-time assistant, um, first assistant with football, and then took over the head strength duties for track and field, cross country, and tennis while I was there. Spent five years there okay. in total before I ended up up here in Idaho. Okay, yeah. Perfect. Sweet. Yeah. So, um, first off, you mentioned one-man show, and you have 13 teams, is that correct? Yeah, just about 300 athletes. So, one man yeah. for, and that's a pretty unique situation, I think, for a D1, D1 university. To kind of run it all by yourself. Seems like you're doing a great job, though. Um, my question to you is, first off, is what is your favorite sport out of those sports to work with? Are you, like, a football guy? Do you enjoy working with the Olympic sports or tennis? Or, or like, what's your... They're all a little different. I came up in football. That's where I started. That's where I cut my teeth. That's my most experience. So that's probably where I'm most comfortable, and I enjoy that. I didn't realize I was going to like some of these other sports as much until I started working with them. Yeah. And you realize they all kind of have different personalities. It's a, going from the male sports to the female sports to individual sports to team sports. It's kind of a constant change for me, which makes it fun. Mm-hmm. I think it's more so athletes. I have certain athletes that I really enjoy working with and that buy in more than just teams. Yeah. Um, my goal is just to make it so everyone can come in and lift and enjoy it and I can help them all out. It's for some of those Olympic sports, the weight room isn't a place they really want to be yeah. or spend a lot of time. So I'm trying to get some buy-in, get, the show buy-in. them what it can do for them. Yeah, you know, tennis players, cross-country runners, not always huge. They're like, so, "Why well, do I need to be yeah. doing this?" Yeah, worried. I'm gonna bulk them up, make them slow, make them look like bodybuilders. I think yeah. that's what the weight room is. So it's kind of an intimidating place. So trying to make it a more open place for them when they're not afraid to come in here and they come and work and then actually see what it can do for them on the field. Yeah, and that's that's a good point. Is a lot of them are coming in here without even the knowledge of what it can do for them. They're, right. they're just thinking the gym is bodybuilding. Even though they're a D1 athlete, you know, you think they'd have kind of a 
pretty good idea of what a training program looks like or how it could benefit them, but they come in thinking, oh, it's bodybuilding. That's always the first So that, that's, an yeah. interesting, that's an interesting most, point. Especially with the female athletes, it seems like yeah. a little bit more. The minute you say weight room, they think bodybuilders, they think they're going to get big and big. slow and bulky, and they don't understand that there's a lot of different training modalities we can use yeah. to improve their athletic performance. So they are always a little tentative. They're, it takes a little longer with some of those sports to get them to buy into lifting heavy weight and pushing themselselves. You know? They want to come yeah. in, and I'll do the bar 20 times and call it good. I don't want to get big. <laughs> little do they know they're kind of going reverse yeah and they're, they're training for hypertrophy when they, that's yeah. not what they want so. yeah and we you run in that private sector same thing you know females oh yeah think the barbell equates to getting jacked and we're like we wish it was that easy right, right. Oh, <laughs> i yeah. mean we spend so much time trying to get jacked and it's like yeah if you think you're gonna pick up a barbell and just get freaking yoked it's like like if you, you got do, another thing yeah. coming. <laughs> if you do that, yeah. you're in the wrong sport. Yeah. You should be doing that if yeah. you can make it transition that easily. Yeah. yeah. So Yeah, we run into that all the time with I mean everybody that comes in the private sector typically, especially females, want to get toned. Mm-hmm. And then you put a ball barbell in their hands and they're like, Do you guys know what you're doing? Yeah. And it's just like trust the process, it'll be it'll be all right. Yep. So. You get that with I mean, even with certain sports. Cross country runners think I'm gonna get them too big. Sprint, yeah. sprinters think you're gonna yeah. make them slow because yeah. they're lifting I'm gonna be muscle you know Yeah. softball players I'm not gonna be able to throw I don't wanna do any upper body lifting because you're gonna mess up my throwing mechanics is there is there a sport you would say that typically like from your experience is it football that comes in and buys in and works the hardest or is there like a sport that you wouldn't the, think that the two that are the most into it is football and then the throwers on the track team yeah I would say yeah. Throw, yeah. throwers on the track team they Love come it. in here and lift and then it doesn't matter, male or female athletes, they lift as hard as anyone else on campus. I think so. so they're fun to work with. They come in, lift heavy, heavy. They want to put on the heavy rock, get in here, lift heavy weights, and yeah. get after it. Come, yeah. They get mad if I don't let them lift certain days. Yeah. They want to lift four or five times a week. If I drop them down in season a little bit, they're, they're the like, ones. Yeah. yeah. So they're the opposite. If I miss a day, I'm going to get too weak. I'm not going to yeah. be good at it. So yeah. I was like, you're not going to lose it in one day, I promise yeah. you. Yeah. So yeah, yeah they're awesome. kind of the opposite end of the spectrum of some of those teams. So yeah, yeah. throwers are living the life. Yeah, they're living the good life. Yeah, banging weights and they just love it. To, yeah. yeah, no, no conditioning, no yeah. cardio, just lift and oh, eat. Yeah, yeah they would like lift, cardio, eat, throw. For sure. yeah. <laughs> how, so how's like the buy-in process been since you've got here? Do you think you've made made pretty good headway so far? Yeah, we're getting there. I think you know the biggest thing when I took over is. I got a lot of feedback just talking with athletes. I didn't try to push my programs a lot with coaches and athletes. Just kind of felt it out when I first got here and got a lot of feedback that there just wasn't the culture that I wanted, that I was used to coaching in for a weight room. So that was my number one goal over this last year was just to build a culture um, in the weight room to where it's a place kids want to come in. They see the results on the field. We're tailoring workouts to their individual needs. We're adjusting, you know, and making it a – all-inclusive place to where not only the athletes but the coaches are also seeing the difference in it so that's kind of been the goal to work down we've seen some good gains we're getting athletes to buy in a little bit more um even doing little things i I go to every home game for all our sports that i can i go watch them just it means a lot to them to see them out there but what they don't know is i'm also watching their movements in their field so i can take that information i'm seeing watching a soccer player run out on the field or a volleyball player jump and bring it back into the weight room and transition that into their workouts to help them move better dude that's awesome yeah that's no that's, that's super awesome. impressive that you're because to me when you when you come in and you're one man running 13 teams i mean just dialing in the programs and you're just trying to keep your head above water that's pretty impressive that you're building that culture and going to their games and i know it's all kind of part of the job but coming from unlv where you had i don't know how many strength coaches yeah, but five or six full-time five or six mm-hmm. and then you're still trying to bring that culture here that's pretty cool yeah it's i a lot of credit goes to the athletes too they bought in we kind of eased into it they bought into it so i get a lot of feedback from them obviously if i have 20 30 athletes in here i'm not going to see every set and rep so i get a lot of feedback i rely on them to bring information back to me yeah. this this lift didn't feel right this felt too easy i didn't like how these exercises paired together and i try to use that feedback to be constantly changing the programs yeah. and evaluate what I'm doing too, using their feedback. Um, 
you know, I, I try to always go through the workouts. I write for my athletes at least once so I know what they're doing. It yeah. gets harder and harder to do when you get more teams. So yeah. I start to rely on the older athletes on the team and use their feedback, asking them what they like, what they don't like, what works for them in season, what works for them out of season, and try to continually grow the program to fit their needs as much as possible. Would you say that they were, because I know that before they kind of had a couple coaches bounce in and out and it was kind of a weird situation. Were they pretty eager to like the kind of the culture you're bringing in? Were they eager yeah. to jump on board that? It, it was. It was surprising to me how a little thing like my first couple months here, the number of times I heard coaches or administrators bring up the fact that I knew every athlete by name. I knew their name, knew where they were from, what sport they were. The yeah. fact that they thought that was something that was special that set me apart from previous coaches You're like, oh. was really surprising yeah. to me. and kind of showed me what where I was at with the program and where how much farther we have to go with it. But those yeah. little things, and I think that meant a lot to them. I think um, the fact that I'm out on the floor with my athletes, if I have athletes in the gym, I'm out on the floor. I'm not sitting in my office just watching them or having my interns watching them, not just writing a workout up on a whiteboard. They're all getting their own individual workout sheets. They all have their own folders. We're adjusting. So I think that was new for them, and it it lets them know they care you about care, them. It's a yeah, little more individualized, yeah. and they they buy they're more likely to buy in because yeah. I'm I'm buying into them and seeing them as an individual athlete within yeah. their team instead of just a big scheme of stuff. So yeah. so I'm curious, just like that's got to be a lot of time. It is time like consuming. being it, like going through it because I even just work with sixty people online and just trying to individualize that is like that's I'm like whoa that's a lot. So I can't imagine having three, you know, whatever, yeah. 13 teams of athletes. It's kind of big. So I, I learned from two really great strength coaches, Mike Gerber and Eric Cohn. Yeah. Learned a bunch of different things from these two guys. But one of the biggest things I learned from Mike Gerber was he was an Excel wizard. So yeah. I have years and years and years of programs and different formats and everything like that that has over the years we kind of created and when I was doing my GA with him we fine-tuned it and so it makes it easier for me to do it. you have a direction yeah. yeah so I know a general plan I, I year lay out my yearly calendar at the beginning of the year so I have my general roadmap and then I start making my small adjustments within it. it's time consuming in the summer to try to lay that plan out for the teams yeah to try to match that up like track and field is one that's always very difficult because you have so many different events and specialties mm-hmm. and you're trying to match your periodization with theirs when they're training heavy on the track I'm trying to match in here so I'm not overtraining them too much and so that's always the challenge but I I start out with big templates and I've had over the years I've developed those and it makes it a little bit easier for me but yeah still spend plenty of time in here on Sunday afternoons yeah. trying to get ready for the oh, week and program and print them out and yeah. I'm sure there's an easier way than Excel to do it I'm a little old school that way but it it works for us and yeah yeah i mean whatever fits your budget right yeah exactly sales free works it'd be great to have ipads on every platform like some of these bigger big schools have now where i could just push the workout to the platform remotely and all that but we're not quite there yet so i'll have to show you the software i use the the fitbot and the school probably sells it as that but i think it's only like two or three dollars per client you have in it so i mean you have 300 kids i mean it might be 600 bucks a month but I mean, you can create, you can input those into there. You can push them to them. You can modify them, and they can pull them up, print them out, even if they wanted from yeah. their phone and stuff like that. I don't know if you want them on their phones and stuff. All yeah, that's right. always the the balance. Yeah, yeah. with yeah. the Snapchat and everything like that. Some of it's okay. We try to get some social media out there for people. But yeah. yeah, distracts them at times too. So, mm-hmm. so one question I have um, in the private world, we get a ton of people, a lot of parents that. They're kind of chasing like that specialty, or like you got the volleyball parent that's looking for a coach that's that's maybe like got volleyballs in the gym and they're practicing like passing between sets, or they're looking for like a sport specific strength coach. And so for somebody like you, like you're running 13 teams, Darren and I's philosophy is kind of like, I mean, you got to do strength movements um, and, and build that foundation. So you're pushing, pulling, hinging squatting all those things and then there's some nuances and things that we do for different sports but it's a lot more similar than I think people people think that it is and so for you like with your 13 sports how much individualization is there and and have you played with that and how much individualization do you think you need I'm kind of like you guys I'm I'm foundational movements nothing too crazy 
You're not going to walk in here and see athletes standing on a BOSU ball on one leg, balancing with one thing over their head and <laughs> hitting a volleyball. We don't get into that. Yeah. Um, my, I might have a different football program and basketball program, Yeah. but there's going to be a lot of similarities. The strength coach picked similar. it up. You're going to see a lot of the similar movements. The The big thing that change, changes for me is you know, volume and intensity. That's yeah. kind of where yeah. I make the majority of my changes. I'm not trying to introduce new crazy workouts all the time just for the sake of having something new. I want there to be repetition because that's yeah. where we get growth. So I think the biggest problem with a lot of those people looking for the sports-specific coaches, they confuse the word specificity with simulation. Yeah. And so you get these athletes, whatever it is, taking a medicine ball and shooting it like a basketball or something like that or hitting a heavy volleyball, throwing, swinging a heavier softball bat, whatever it is, they don't realize they think it's because it's simulating their sport movement they think that's helpful for them but really it's screwing up the biomechanics of the movement yeah. for them so right. I think they don't understand what being sports specific actually means yeah. it's more the joint patterns and motor unit recruitment and all that kind of stuff not necessarily the fact that it looks like what they're doing on the field so yeah. power clean is going to be specific to a lot of sports you're not going to see them doing that exact movement but if you watch a sport and look for all the times an athlete hits triple extension in their lower extremities you can correlate that to it. And I think parents get confused with that. They yeah. want they want to see the stuff they see the pro athletes doing on their Instagram, you know, the battle ropes and the balancing on balls and different band work and all this kind of rehab yeah. stuff, which that's fine. For, I try to explain to them that's fine for those pro athletes. They put in the time. They've developed themselves. They're trying to stay healthy now. Yeah. They're playing an 82-game year. They're not trying to get a 162-game yeah. season. Like, they've made it. They have their physical gains. Now they're just trying to – Keep the mobility. Stay healthy. And, yeah, it's stay, a yeah, stay healthy. And they confuse that with what you need to do for a developing athlete, which yeah. I think is completely different things. And that's and that's the one thing that really bugs me, and I think it bugs Sheldon too, is it's like in every sport, you're, there's just simple primal movement patterns that mm-hmm. are just paired and combined differently to make up all movement. You know, like squat, push, pull, lunge, like stuff like that, rotation. Like, that's all going to be the same across the board. And there's not – I mean, that's what you should be working on in the gym. And then if you want to get good at your sport, you should go play your sport a lot. Practice your sport, yeah. Like, yeah, like you said, swinging a heavy baseball bat is not going to – like, that doesn't simulate an open environment where you're standing there, somebody's pitching the ball, the bat's lighter. Like, that whole movement's going to be different. Mm -hmm. And if you get in there and just start swinging a heavy bat, like you said, it's going to throw off the biomechanics of it. And it's just kind of annoying to us that it's like – that's what these parents are looking for, and it's like, n- no. Like, we've been, we've seen, we've been involved in college programs, and from the majority of coaches I've talked to, they would just love if athletes would come in and be able to deadlift and squat and kind of just yeah. know how to yeah. do that, like, alone. Like, that's a huge problem right when people walk in. Like, they don't care if they can balance on a bozu ball with one leg and yeah. tap their nose and, you know, s- swing their arms in circles at the same time. Like, that's not, that's not what yeah. we're looking for, and the, and the, the weight room is – is for that strength development and then you go out and play your sport that's my whole goal is to make a better athlete not a better football player or basketball yeah. player baseball player that's not my specialty yeah my specialty is to make you move better to make you more yeah. mobile to make you more injury resistant that's what i focus on i think people confuse that yeah what we're doing in here isn't going to necessarily make you better at the skill of basketball yeah. that's for your basketball coaches to do that's your on-court work mm-hmm. i'm just giving you the tools to allow you to do that yeah right to run a little faster jump a little higher yeah yeah, and and there and that that brings up one case too of a kid. I won't put a name out there, but he was playing basketball at a D one university, and he he hated the weight room, and he only wanted to practice sports specific. So he would go and shoot a lot. He's like, why do I need to do weights? Why do I need to do this? Whatever, whatever. Anyway, he's torn his AC. He tore his ACL twice. Like had a bunch of knee issues, yada yada yada. And he and he thought that that was because of his like high school strength training. He thought he was too strong. And so he didn't wouldn't go to the gym at all, and then he kept having these reoccurring injuries. And I'm like, mm-hmm. I, like you need to be in the weight room. You need to have a coach working on your movement patterns. And I and sure enough, I had him over at the gym just to do some jumping and stuff to see. You know, you see the the valgus knees. Yeah. His hips were weak. His glutes were weak. Yeah. And you, I'm like, what do you like? Yeah. So you try to explain it to him, but they it's think that they think that the weight room is what's hurting them, maybe because they have discomfort from. Um, poor movement patterns from just growing up or they've had an injury in sport like a contact injury and it's not something you can change in the weight like but they don't they think since there's pain it's bad to come in here and work on it 
and figure it out. They're like, oh, it's painful. It's bad for me. Right. Instead of learning to like work, like improve movement, yeah, mobility, like so strengthen, yep. and then and obviously balance out. Because I I tore my Achilles a year and a half ago, and I still have imbalances that I'm working on. And like mm-hmm. when these athletes get injured and they think, oh, I can just go back and start playing sports, like you're gonna have one whole side that's probably shut down, right? Yeah. If you tear your ACL, you're gonna have a lot of work you need to do on that left side unilaterally to even catch it up, right? So yeah. that's one thing that bugs me. I run into that a lot with even squatting. That was one of the big shifts when I got here, was getting our athletes to squat below parallel. Yeah. To use a high bar squat and squat below parallel. Yeah. I could not believe when I got in here what they were calling their back squats and things like that so and the number of times when I started getting them to go there the number of times I heard an athlete tell me I heard it's bad for your knees to squat below parallel mm-hmm. I mean that <laughs> just drives me nuts and I hear it all the time and yeah. then I have to go down go on this get this on my soapbox and tell yeah. them and you know over the I've like worked on telling them it's only bad if you're in the wrong positions you know kind of give it to them but I heard that just last week I heard it's bad if I squat below parallel that's why I'm stopping higher I shouldn't go so what are they like low barring and squatting above? A lot them? of them. When I got here, there was a lot of low bar squatting. That typical oh, power lifter squat. Yep. Very <laughs> yeah. heavy. Good morning, which was impressive. Yeah. A little hamstring strength, okay. Yeah. But now, you know, my style is much more Olympic based. Yeah. That's the basis of all my programs, regardless of sport. We yeah. do the Olymp- Olympic movements. We're going to squat with a high bar squat, a narrower yeah. stance, and we're going to go all the way down we're gonna drop the hips down I think the carryover is just a lot I mean when you talk about that it's like especially let's just talk offensive linemen for fun like high bar squat chest up you know sinking back in the mm-hmm. hips vision keeping the eyes up like that's more transferable than if you're doing a low bar looking like, like that position doesn't really mimic what a lineman's like start line no. position is or how they should come up and pop you know what I'm saying so I mean the high the high bar the low parallel I mean, that just makes more sense yeah. to any athlete because, I mean, they're never chest down looking at the floor. Right. So, if you, yeah. Yeah, it puts you in a better, better position, too, like you said, with, I mean, you're, you're trying to look over 300 athletes. It's a little easier to teach them to be in that position and protect the lower back than a, than a good morning, strapping yep. the belt up super tight and just hinging back and hoping for the best. I mean, there's just going to be more lumbar rounding and things with that type of a squat, which... If, if you can uh, breathe well and, and do, I mean, people have obviously squatted like that very successfully, mm-hmm. um, but I, I think there's probably, for for new athletes, there's probably a little bit more risk with That's, that style yeah. than a high bar style. I also sure. put a lot more emphasis on the front squat than the back squat, especially yeah. with my football. I don't test back squat with my football guys, but test front squat. A lot of them ask me why that is. Part of that is that safety reason. It's a lot easier for them to get out of a bad front squat position than it is to right. bail on a bad back squat. Yeah, They're a lot yeah. less likely to get hurt. It's a lot easier for them to do that. Also, with the amount of emphasis I put on the clean and catching in a full squat position, all that stuff, teaches them to hold the bar, builds that flexibility. And then my favorite buzzword, the core. Everyone wants to come in and i got to do more core strengthening. How do I get a six-pack? How do I get my core strong? Don't you get your core strong by doing heavy deadlifts, doing heavy front squats, Plus. doing heavy cleans. Yeah. It's like there's a lot of research out there that shows that core activation in a heavy front squat is way beyond what you're going to get out of doing laying on the ground and doing yeah. 10 sit-ups. Yeah. But everyone wants that six-pack. Well, that's they just body doing fat. That that's what people yeah. don't get is it's yeah. like everybody's got abs. Yeah. Like you have a six-pack, you just either don't – your body fat level, you, you just can't don't see have it. Or you not. can't see it. So yeah. like, until you're in single-digit – percentage you're not gonna yeah. see it it's not gonna be there yeah and front and front squats too it's like for everybody that that list that's listening to this it's easier to get depth in the front squat because where the bar is the mm-hmm. weight is in relation to your body exactly so that front squat it's a little easier to keep that balance over your midfoot and sink lower because it's a more advantageous yeah. position in the in the bottom stay back on the heels i don't get those knees drifting out yeah. of the toes where i get that you know shearing force on the yeah. patella tendon where Kids yeah. get in their head. Well, I don't squat because it hurts my knees. Yeah, you just been squatting wrong for too long. Yeah, because I know Utah State didn't test back squat. Either. Yeah, they and were, I, I we moved fun. away from that probably four or five years ago. Kind of decided as a staff when I was at UNLV that we we still back squat. We still do it once a week or twice depending on where we are in our cycle. We just don't test it. Yeah. Our emphasis is on the front squat. That's yeah. I just think it's the highest bang for my buck in the weight room. For sure, I agree. When I'm that. getting out of it, it's one of those yeah. lifts I just. It'll always be in my programs. 
Well, and with the, the injury prevention thing, too, I mean, in a, in a front squat, you go back to core. It's like if you can't keep your core tight and mm-hmm. your elbows up, you're dropping it. Yep. I mean, you're not going to grind through. If your elbows are pointed to the to the floor, Yeah. very few people are going to be strong enough to grind through that. It's like if your technique's not there, you drop the weight and, and, yeah. and no harm, no foul. Yep. So, yeah, you can get away with less with the front squat. For sure. You can grind through more in bad position in a back squat. Front mm-hmm. squat... Typically, like my front squat will fail, be, yeah, because my elbows might not because the bar of the starts sliding, you can't get the wrist up, whatever. It yeah, is. now because yeah. of leg strength, so it kind of limits them on on that total poundage they're putting on, and being able to grind through something that's not ideal. And it's really helped our clean numbers. Yeah, I get, we get most of our kids to start front squatting heavy. They finally get used to it. We and start testing heavy clean, and like all you got to do is catch in the good position. The front squat's the easy part. Standing it up, you do. We do this every week. You can yeah. stand way more weight than this up in that position. If we can get you to catch in a good position, and you know, it starts to click for them a little bit more. They start to have yeah. that confidence that I can get out of this position, where the kids who never front squat, it wasn't really done, and we start cleaning. They're not very comfortable catching in that position. They yeah. can't get down there, and they, the weights are reflective of that. So yeah, I was listening to another podcast, Power Athlete, and this guy named John Wellborn. He's played in the NFL for ten years. But he, his opinion is on the power clean. It's like the, the power clean is the most effective for football players. And he says it's not because of triple extension even. It's because learning to receive that bar mm-hmm. and drive against it and receive it in a high position and kind of like take that impact in and, and stabilize it and reverse it. He thought that carried over a lot. It's a little bit what Cal Beats does with yeah. his tempo training. Yeah. When he gets into his isometric and his different Yeah, they're homies. Stuff. They have I Cal on there all the time. Dropping down. I, mean, I, think, I think it was Cal was, and him that were actually grabbing on the. That sounds very much like Cal yeah. Beats and the way he trains, and that's starting to, you know, that triphasic training is starting to really take hold a little bit. You're starting to see that coming yeah. more and more into different college programs. And yeah. Yeah. The isometrics are interesting, for sure. Yeah. yeah. Well, and I think that, yeah, the catch of the clean. So my strength coach at Weaver when I was there, the guy after, after home, would always say, like, he would always preach, like, catching the clean is good for injury prevention. It was, I mean, I've listened to it, but now it's like, yeah, he was right on the money with Yeah, that. just the forces on the hip and knee and all yeah, that kind of yeah. stuff. You learn to absorb force. It's, yeah. I think it's a big part of preventing the non-contact ACL injuries, too. Yeah. Things like that. The contact you're not, yeah, that, yeah. They're learning to absorb force, the knees. Rather than twisting yeah, out or yeah. falling in, they're learning they're to They're getting the eccentric strength in that quad and hamstring. And, mm-hmm. That's awesome. Well, that's the biggest thing, too. I mean, for us with, like, high school athletes, a lot of the people that we work with are people that want to transition into, into college sports. And the, the good thing about, like, that catching catching a clean or, or picking up a heavy barbell off the ground or squatting heavy, it's like most athletes that I've seen after playing college football and just being around it, coming in as freshmen, it's so much more physical than they think. Mm-hmm. And that's not just football either, like – Women's basketball. Oh, yeah. I mean, the it's just so much more physical than kids are prepared for if they're just playing their sport. So if they can come in with with just some durability built up from the weight room, because if you can't be on, I mean, if you can't be on the court, you can't be on the court. You know, I mean, that's a huge factor. It's one of my frustrations with all the specializing in sports now. I, th- I feel like athletes were a lot better and better prepared for college athletics when they were playing multiple sports, when they were a two or three sport athlete, when they didn't oh, yeah. just specialize in one sport year-round. When they're playing basketball, they're playing football, they're running track, they're training different modalities, they're getting in better shape. They and came yeah, in better prepared yeah. and more successful. Now we get these kids who specialize and all they do is travel around to AAU. They're not spending the training time in the different yeah. types of Because season's all yeah. year-round. You're yeah. playing basketball all year-round, yep. you're not training, That's overuse injuries, yep. and you're getting stuck in certain movements. Like you're, I mean, it's it's beneficial for... A basketball kid to play football, get a little more durable. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Maybe baseball rotation, like stuff that you're not going to get as yeah. much just playing one sport. Yeah. And the thing that I've been, I don't think the problem is, I don't think that's going away. No, I mean it's, not. it's just not going to happen. Yeah. So, so one thing that I've been trying to focus on because my so my master's thesis was actually on or not thesis, my final test paper was on sports specialization, and it's just uh, parents aren't going to let it go away. But if you can compound that year-round sport it, at the very least at least get a qualified personal trainer or strength yeah. coach to help you somebody that's hopefully got a degree in the field has some certifications and some experience because because yeah you're not going to get away and that's what college coaches look at too i mean if you're not 
if the volleyball player is not at the tournament in January, at the club volleyball tournament in January, they're not getting looked at. Yep. And so they've got to be there. But if you can at least compound that with a strength coach that's knowledgeable and, and can kind of counter counteract some of those bad things you're doing by playing your sport here. Yeah, even just the basic stuff. It's yeah. You know, for the high school athletes and the coaches, they just need to do some basic strength training. It doesn't have to be super crazy. A lot of these kids are going to these speed schools and speed gurus right. all over the place. Oh, yeah, that's and they're, they're, they're putting, that's their, fa- how do I get faster? And I, I tell my athletes every day, the fastest way to get faster is to get stronger. Yeah. Yeah. You put more horsepower under the hood. Yeah. You will get way faster by lifting consistently and building that strength than you will by going and learning your technique for your 40 start. And yeah, that'll help you for a little bit, but that's not going to well, translate to the field. help you in the 40, but yeah, yeah that's not going to help you. It's not going to help you in anywhere else. So they go to these speed schools and doing all this fancy footwork and all that stuff. But you see no strength training in this, and that's that's when they come in here and they're so underdeveloped. And those are usually the kids that struggle with injury stuff right away. Yeah. Once we they start being asked of what a college program asks them to do, the long practices, the study halls, the working out multiple times a week, the game at another level, their body doesn't respond to it very well, and they start to yeah. see them break down a little bit because they're just not prepared for it. Yeah. So, so what you're saying is, from the words of a qualified D1 coach, you'd rather see basic strength training consistently than speed camps and speed drills. Absolutely. All right. Absolutely. No, que- no question about it. I'm pointing this no way. Question. <laughs> Podcast over. Yes. <laughs> yes. So that's one that frustrates us, and uh, because we just compete with some of that and. Right now, we're trying to trying to round up some kids. Everybody's kind of in season. We're working with mm-hmm. right now because we're doing high school football, but trying to get four or five like motivated kids that want to be there, and just really put them in, a, run them through a program that's going to prepare them. Like it's going to be kind of marketed as we're preparing you for collegiate weight room, collegiate yeah. sport. Like we know we've seen what it takes to be there. We've seen what they do. We know what they do. We're not just making it up. We've we've been involved recently, not twenty years ago. And we know what you need to be prepared for, so we're gonna try to help you out with that. With kids be, coming up, but that's a big time. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Big time. they want to do all the fancy stuff. That yeah. looks really great. There's nothing, nothing sexy about a heavy front squat or back yeah. squat or a power clean. You know, yeah. they want to do the ropes and the chains and bands and all this stuff that looks good for their yeah. Snapchat and Instagram. But there's, it's just, I don't know. I think it's a lot of fluff. And do you think that's like a common? Do you think that's part of the issue is like just the technological age and now we're just trying to impress so it's yeah. like now kids are just are worried about doing things that are going to be sexy yeah i mean i fight that with my athletes here i i'll have conversations with athletes saying why are we doing the same lifts all the time why don't we have new workouts every week you know why are we front squatting every week or cleaning again why are we doing clean pulls again we just do the same stuff over and over again it's like yeah. there's a reason why we yeah, do it. It works for the last million yes. years. It's worked. So. I was like these are the things, the foundational six, seven things that have worked forever. Yeah, some of these other fans have come and gone, and but you know it's that boredom, that attention span. So I, I mean, even at the college level, I fight that. Where yeah, you're too old school. I got, I'm gonna, I got my guy. I'm going back home to train with my guy over the summer. I don't need your workout. We're gonna do this, and we're gonna go do our sprints on the beach. And yeah, run. yeah. And I looked at him. I was like, that's fine. That's hard. Anyone can make a workout hard. Yeah. But is your the sport you play? Do you play on the beach? Yeah. No. So my thought is, why change the training environment from what your playing environment is? Train the way you're going to play. That. Yeah. Good example of that is I remember um, Odell Beckham was like posting all this shit like a year ago. He was doing all this beach stuff, like speed reduction training. Yeah. I think they he tore his ACL like two year, two games in the season or something. Yeah, it was midway. He and, and I'm like, maybe you should have been squatting. Yeah. You know, like in, in some of those. I just wondering. You know, it's the old. They they classify that as the old school philosophy. It's changing, but I was like, it's kind of stood the test of time. Look at the athletes yeah. and tell me how many injuries these heavy, world class Olympic lifters have. Yeah. And what you know, and that's the other thing that the weight room's a dangerous place. That drives me nuts too. Yeah, yeah, I've gotten injured out only outside of the weight room. Yeah, we get, we, we, <laughs> my kids go in there. I don't want them lifting heavy because they get hurt in there. No, you need like, to lift no. heavy so they don't get hurt. Right, but it's always that balance. So that's interesting. Yeah, I mean that, everything's kind of lining up with what we try to do, but. Have you tiered like your programming at all for the freshmen to get them caught up to speed, or how how do you do that? I haven't like done that a whole lot right now. It's something I want to do, but being the one man show oh, makes yeah. it a little tougher. So 
right now we we kind of get them in when my freshman like for football I spend more time with football on that kind of stuff that year round training they're the ones who have adopted it the most a lot of these other sports when they go home they go home doesn't matter if I send them a workout but so when our freshmen when they sign their letter of intent with us in February and they're they're committed at that point I can start sending them workouts so I have I do have a freshman program that I will email out to all of them to do for the three or four months on their own until they get here with that being said I always tell them in it if you're in season if you're in track you're in a sport whatever and you have a high school weight training program I'm not trying to overdo that I'm not trying to say you take this to your weight training coach and say this is what you have to do lift with your team that there's something to do about you know to say about lifting with the team and the camaraderie it builds and everything like that but if they're not in it I send them a program it's pretty simple the only real technical movement I'll have them do is a power clean most kids have seen a power clean before and they can do it somewhat and have an idea um other than that, you know, we push pulls, deadlifts, you know, hinges, all that kind of stuff. Nothing too crazy, just to build that basic foundation. So at least if they're doing that when they get here, I know they're going to have some level of strength. From there, I can build the technique and we can work yeah. off of it a little bit more. But yeah. it's something I need, I want to continue working on and improving. Yeah. It's just, it's a challenge to when you can't get eyes on them and you're trusting well, you're your, you're a strike yourself. coach or somewhere like yeah. that and they're not with you and trusting them to do it it's a little more challenging to make sure they're doing it right so yeah yeah one so, thing that was cool about utah state and is the thing that they had so much support like there's so many coaches but one guy they had in there would take the freshman and um i don't i don't remember what he called it there's like actually a certain certification for it but basically they work on like active range of motion in the hips and the shoulders so they do like a lot of like sitting on the ground and then moving through mm-hmm. like internal rotation stuff like wall actually because there's a difference between passive range of motion and active range of motion right so they were working on that kind of stuff and so far what I've, I've been talking to them and it's been seems like it's prevented a lot they haven't had a lot of injuries kids are feeling better moving better lifting heavier so that that's pretty cool and I'm going to look they're at definitely one more. of the, the strength programs in the country that I have a lot of respect for and the, yeah. and the division one where they're doing the right things I think they're building it the right way paying attention to the little details Mm -hmm. that matter Um, and not just you know not the typical just weight room guy the the meathead and they're yelling and screaming for the TV cameras and doing that kind of stuff that you see at some of those other big schools I think the program they're running there is pretty impressive you've seen in their growth and their success in their sports yeah just in their football team alone and what they've been able to do and what they're doing now you know that's a lot of people are going to say it's the X's and O's and the coaches, but a lot of that comes back to the weight room and well, you the spend type more, of athlete yeah. they're giving. Yeah, you spend more time with them than the sports absolutely. Coaches. Yeah. yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, yeah. So. And that guy, that guy's name is Joey Burgles. So if anybody wants, to, he just, that's his name on Instagram. But he posts like that's all he posts is him yep. doing that with the kids. Yeah, it's pretty rad. Well, and it kind of goes back to what we were talking about earlier. The flip side of kids are there's so much information. We were talking about this earlier today. There's so much information to dissect through that kids are kind of like getting distracted by the battle ropes or boxing mm-hmm. balls or whatever else. But on the flip side of that, if you're educated and know where to look, there's no excuse to be doing things the wrong way anymore because there's so – I mean, Utah State's got Instagram pages, and it's like every strength coach now has an Instagram yeah. page, and you can – and so, like, the social media stuff can be super harmful, but it can be really helpful too. It's, I mean – yeah. It's good to be able to see what other programs are doing. I think that's one of been the biggest improvements in the strength and conditioning field is coaches no longer having as much their guarded secrets about their it's precious. Sh- everybody's sharing. Yeah, this yeah. is my precious program. This is how I do it. I want to give you my secret and yeah. have you successful. It's a lot easier to pick up the phone and call someone and say, hey, i got a question for you about this. What are you guys doing? How are you handling this? A lot of coaches now, they're more than happy to share that information, send you whatever, have you come into their weight room and watch. You know, I try to travel and try to visit a weight room every year if I can or go see a coach just to see what other schools are doing. And I think that's really helping advance the profession. Yeah. It still needs to come along, but I think that that's where technology has really helped us because we can get in contact with each other and, you know, the distance isn't as much and we can call each other up and get ideas and help bring the profession forward. Well, and it's inter- it's interesting to me too, like how similar stuff is. You know, it's like, oh yeah, go figure. These guys are doing this, this, and this, and they're successful every year. Yeah. You know, it's like, well, yeah, they're I mean, it's kind of reaffirming that we're doing the right it. things. Yeah, and, yeah I, I looked at Alabama's. I think I saw it somewhere. Like, an article posted it, and I went and looked, and I had like an example week of some of their programming. And it was like the simplest stuff you've ever seen in your life. Mm-hmm. And granted, those guys are already getting freaks. 
Yeah, yeah, at that level, it's like yeah. But they're not doing no anything sexy. Like they're just doing no. He's not making the highest paid strength coach in the country is Chris Doyle over at Iowa. Yeah, that guy's been there a long time, and they've been very successful for a long time. If you look at them as programming and stuff like that, it's nothing that's gonna blow you out of the water. It's nothing. Yeah, amazing. You know, this super. It's just very simple, very strong foundationally, and yeah, that's and how they it, train, yeah. and the su- success is there. And the and the culture, I feel like mm-hmm. that you can build. If if you can get people to buy into doing the basics, like the hard stuff, the monotonous stuff, like if you can get really good at that and being able to do that year in year out, these athletes, then when they get on the field, they're able to do the monotonous stuff they need to do on the field, yeah. grind through it, stick to the you know what they're supposed to do rather than kind of getting bored or whatever and trying to mix stuff up. Yeah, yeah, and you know, so well, no, that's a perfect example too, because yeah, it's like people get bored in the weight room, but it's like. I mean, play college sports, and it's like you get up, you go to school, you go to study hall, you go to practice, you watch film, mm-hmm. and it's like that. You're, the sport's boring too. I mean, yeah. we ran the same. <laughs> like at Weber, we were power offense. We ran the same power zone. I mean, yeah, your practice not, schedule doesn't change. It's that's like we're running like that. twenty period practices yeah. every. It's like the same that's layout. boring too. We do seven on seven <laughs> here. We do. Our three on twos here. We do our special teams here. I like that. Never changes either. Yeah. Why the weight room gets that? Yeah. I think it's just what they're able to see out there and the different opportunities, and you know, everyone has their own way of doing it. And that's why I try to tell all these kids, I have my beliefs, my philosophy, and strength training it doesn't mean it's right. I'm constantly learning and changing and trying to evolve all the time. But I have what I think works for me. There's other schools and other coaches who have what works for them. And I'm not going to say what the, what they're doing is completely wrong or what I'm right, they're wrong. It's not that. There's different ways to to get success but I think yeah. the one thing that when you go back to and look at all the programs that are super successful the common thing they have is a solid foundation of a strength program yeah and I think that's the you know comes through and through I think that's what the athletic programs are built on and yeah it's athletic departments need to start investing more in that because that's the that's where they're going to get their wins yeah, yeah and the to. schools that are winning all the time do they invest in they have sweet those Sweet are the facilities. It's a re- yeah. recruiting tool. That's why kids are going them there. Food yeah. all the time. They got a nice weight room. They got yeah. a, a training, really nice training center. Like, so you get good oh, athletes. They understand that. food, gear, and playing yeah. time. Yeah. That's what they get. Yep. And so that was one thing I was going to ask you too. This is a good segue to it. What are you guys now that the NCAA can feed players? Is or Idaho State? Are they doing? A, you, are you guys doing a good job of like the nutrition aspect? Is there funding for that, or, or how have you? We're guys... working on it. It's it's something we have a nutritionist on staff. Um, she does a great job. She's a former ISU athlete, so it's not just someone who's an academic person. She's actually been an athlete herself, which I think helps a lot. She was a college athlete, knows what college athletes are going to do nutrition wise. You can give them the greatest plan in the world, but if it's not fast and easy and inexpensive they're yeah, not going to do yeah, it yeah. so she approaches it well the challenge is she's a part-time employee we have you know she gets to work 20 hours a week she's like me she's a staff of one for all 300 plus of our athletes she tries to meet with every team once a semester as a team then you know as as necessary i will set up appointments with athletes and her one-on-one she does a lot of one-on-one counseling cooking classes stuff like that it's something we're trying to grow on it's just Financially, it doesn't fit for us really well right now. We're trying yeah. to improve on it. You know, we have some deals where we pr- provide some things for athletes. We're working to try to ex- continue to expand that. Yeah. Um, we have some great local businesses helping us out, donating food and things like that every week for our athletes, yeah. which we're very thankful for them. But I'm kind of a perfectionist. I always want to build it up more. So that's one of my big goals on top of continuing to improve the strength side is the nutrition aspect of it and trying to expand that yeah. here at ISU for our athletes and make that a staple of what we do as well. Yeah, yeah, I think that's a big chase in the big sky right now. It's like, how? where do we get the funding to feed mm-hmm. these athletes? Because I think it can set, set programs apart, and it's like, who can who can secure the funding to do that? Obviously, the big schools, Alabama and all those guys yep. are, I mean, no, Leave pro- Utah no State. problem. Utah State. they got a full freaking cafeteria yeah. where kids, only athletes can go in all day long, and there's just fresh, yeah. good food yep. everywhere, like yeah. just buffets. All but it, it would be interesting to see like how like some of the other big sky schools are doing it, Montana, yeah. Montana State. And we were one of the first to get a nutritionist, so we were ahead of the curve there. Yeah. Some other schools have started to pass us up and able to get a little more funded and expanded a little more quickly since then. So yeah. we're trying to keep doing that. One of the I have a friend who's a the basketball strength coach at Houston, 
Alan Bishop. He was a yeah, U- Utah Alan. State guy. Yeah, he was there a while. You I check out his Instagram and Twitter, guys, yeah. and you look at the way the University oh, of Houston does well. their training table and what their nutrition program looks like. That is like the model, the way those yeah. guys are eating. And then you look last year, they're a top 25 team. They make a big run in the NCAA tournament. And what are the two things in common? They got a great strength coach and who got, has a really good talent, and then they got nutrition. You know, yeah. and they have the, the funds. So it's no surprise that they're turning the program around, and yeah. you know, the coaches are there. But I think he's a big part of it and why they're doing that. And so it's one that if we could ever get to that, that's kind of, you know, you look at those other programs in the country that you want to try to aspire to be. That's one. Yeah. that I would like to get and what he's been able to do down there has been pretty impressive. So He's an he's an awesome guy too. He was always the kind of the guy that would let me get my foot in the door, talk to him like Yeah. Some of the other guys weren't as open to it, but he's always he's always been open to sharing. Yeah, I mean, great coach. I mean, he's one when I first took this job, he's one of the first guys I called. Yeah. Once I had him going, "Okay, Alan, how the heck am I going to balance this out? I need some help with basketball. Basketball wasn't my specialty. It was more of a football guy. Like, what are you doing with basketball? What's what's the basic things and it's you know it's reaffirming to know that a lot of stuff he's saying is what I had my guys doing, but you pick yeah. things up and learn things from him. But he's been a great resource for me, and another yeah. one of those good strength coaches in the country doing things the right way and yeah. training athletes how they need to be trained. It's awesome. Yeah, that is awesome. Yeah, I'm going to bring it back a little bit. So I wanted to know. So we were talking about kind of hit didn't really talk about. Um, so culture, but I know earlier you mentioned that you kind of had some older kids stepping up and mm-hmm. kind of you could trust on them to give you feedback, yada, yada, yada. Are you, like, assigning those leaders, or or is it kind of just unsaid and they know that they're kind of taking a position of a, a good resource for Yeah, you? it hasn't been an assignment. It's just been one of those things that kind of grew organically in here. Okay. A yeah. few of it, um, one in particular, we have one on the football team, who when I first got here, he was one who was not buying in. Yeah, and he was, you know, he's a guy who played for us and just wasn't buying into the program. He's had some success. He's starting to buy in. He's starting to see the results, and now he's one who's talking to me on a daily basis about, I think I need to do this. I need to come in and do extra. Normally in season, my my starting football guys are lifting two times a week. Yeah, is all. I'm getting them Monday, Wednesday, give them Thursday, Friday off, recovery, play on Saturday. He's a guy who said, no, I need to lift four times a week. Yeah. I need to be in here every day. I need to be lifting on game day, doing something like you know. So he's kind of been buying in, and he's one. I'll run things by some of the people who have been in the program for four or five years and been through a couple different strength coaches besides myself. I'll talk to them and you were here when the last strength coaches were here. What did you like about what they did? What did you not like? Yeah. What what, what can you change? You know. So I kind of use that, um, but it hasn't been something I've really assigned. It's kind of some kids just step up and volunteer that information, but part of it is just being out there on the weight room floor with them all the time and just talking to them about more than just weightlifting too getting to know them they start to open up you start to learn a little bit more they yeah. they start to trust me when we have that relationship that they realize that if they have an opinion and I will actually listen to it I'll, it just won't be water under the bridge I'll actually take it into account and they see those changes starting to happen they're more likely to tell me what's working and what's not working so it's just part of making them feel like this is their program as much as it is mine that yeah. they have as much feedback and input into it as I do so yeah I was just interested because we're doing the JV football thing, and I'm just like, I just don't feel like any kids have really stepped up as leaders yet. I guess maybe not vocally like they used to when I was playing high school football. So I'm just like, do you have to appoint them? Do they do they just over time? You know, sometimes they step up. Sometimes there's kids that I see it in. I see that they have the potential to be that leader, and I'll encourage them a little, have that conversation, and yeah. you know, try to push them in that direction a little bit not as blunt as just saying you need to be a leader and talk more but try to encourage them and push them that way it's kind of the fine line I think that's the one thing that's kind of set me apart here from previous strength coaches is just trying to get to know the kids and learn their personalities and kind of see how they fit together and across all the sports so I spend more time talking with coaches about the dynamics of their team and the chemistry of their team and what I'm seeing in the weight room and who's what's going well for who and why they are practicing well what's going on in their life I get a lot of that because these kids are opening up to me and spend a lot of time in here with me and I'm seeing them more than the coaches so oh, it's, yeah. it goes beyond just the weightlifting of saying you know this is the leader it's yeah this person had a bad practice because they got this thing going on at home yeah. you know that you might not know about so yeah. it's just getting to know the kids better too and getting them to trust me and then you can kind of then you can start to plant those seeds a little bit like you need to take this athlete who's struggling under your wing help, help him out, out. yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm going to stand back. You know what you're doing. You help them out. I'm going to go help some other kids and giving them a little freedom to 
kind of be pseudo coaches themselves and show you know lead the way a little bit and that probably helps them buy into yeah feel like and then they feel like important. i trust yep and it's important if, if it's important enough for me to trust them helping another athlete and on the same side it helps me when i'm in here by myself and yeah, i got some yeah. kids i can trust it helps me know that you know i can partner up all my incoming freshmen okay you're you're all lifting with a veteran you're following them i'll be around all of you but you're lifting with them yeah. follow their lead yeah, you know, you try to groom those people. That's, that's good. Well, and it's good to come from the players too. I mean, if it's if the cueing and the coaching and and stuff is always coming from the coach, kind of what we talked about earlier, it gets repetitive. And mm-hmm. They get sick of hearing your voice. Exactly. But if if the senior that's played thirty games here is telling them, no, you need to do it this way. It's like, okay, well, it's coming from the coach. It's coming from him. Yeah, that's probably the right way to do that's it. That's always a rewarding thing to hear too when when you're in the weight room and you hear one of the players using. My, my own coaching cues for someone else yeah. like, oh, like hey, it's sticking it's yeah. finally it, it's yeah. registering in their head and they're yeah. passing it on it's well like, I've always felt if when you teach something like you learn it the best like mm-hmm. when you're trying to teach somebody something else and you so you for yourself reinforce what you've been learning and apply it like everything I've learned I've like just from using it in real life like you can read all you want online yeah. until you test it and do it yourself and run somebody through it like that helps me learn so I know like if these guys are out there teaching and cueing and stuff and then it's just reinforcing that in their own movement patterns and helping them in the gym you know so that's one of the things that's made me a better coach is taking athletes who have never seen a weight room in their life and trying to teach them how to do a power plane or something like that. You teach them. Yeah, you gotta like learn. You, how you to take it for granted. You get some kids who are familiar with it. It makes it a lot easier to coach. And you get <laughs> yeah. lazy as a coach. Yeah. It makes it easy. And then you get a kid who comes in here and has never seen a bar in their life. Doesn't know what a weight is. Doesn't know anything. Yeah, you really have to refine your craft and your cues and everything like that. And I found mm-hmm. that makes me a lot better coach overall for the, even the athletes who have done it for a long time because yeah. you start to refine those cues and realize where you can have that breakthrough and a different way to explain something or show it and yeah it's awesome so another question for you so typically sometimes you run into what i've seen um or heard more so is you get the sport coaches trying to kind of rein in the strength coach and be like you're doing this you're doing this you're doing this has Mm -hmm. it been like that or have you been able to kind of are they just like do your thing every sport's a little different i have some coaches who are completely hands-off trust me sat down and met with him when I first took the job, kind of laid out the program, what I was going to do. I think one of the things that's helped me is I was really organized, and I could lay it out. I said, this is what we're doing for the next 12 weeks. This is my goal. This is what I'm trying to accomplish in this period. This So I was pretty organized that way, which is something I learned from previous strength coaches I worked with. Yeah. I have some coaches on campus that I every time we go into a new phase of training, I write the phase. I have to email it to them. They take it, sit down with their coaching staff, they go over it, they send me back any revisions they want. And so it's a little bit more micromanaged, it's a little tougher yeah. for me, i got to balance that out a little bit, but there's a couple a couple coaching staffs that that's how they want to do it. Sometimes they send it back, they just want to see it, they want to feel yeah. like they're part of it, they send it back, yeah. it looks great. Do, they ha- do any of them have education in actual training, or are they just all... Because that's what bugs me sometimes is they're like you need to do this. And they're not like, certified. Like this is my this yeah. is my job. Yeah. Like this is my specialty. That's the frustrating I'm not telling part. You how to run your exactly. fo- like your whatever football program. You know what I'm saying? That's the frustrating part. But some of them, a lot of them, think because they were college athletes themselves and came up in a program, this is how we did it when I was in college and it worked well for us. Yeah. So this is how we need to do it. Yeah. And, you know, so you get that a little bit, but that is a frustrating part because you get coaches who come in here and. I like coaches coming in lift. I don't mind if they come in with their teams and they'll help me supervise and watch the teams. Every once in a while, though, you'll see a coach coaching an athlete on a lift and not coaching the way I want it to be coached, teaching yeah. them something technique-wise that I don't like and that I want. And That's always a challenging yeah. conversation to go up to the coach and say, hey, I appreciate your help. I know what you're trying to do, but this is the way we got to do it. Yeah. You know, yeah. it's, it's just finding that balance. But for the most part, the coaches have been pretty welcoming, pretty opening. You know, They're not pushing me too hard, not micromanaging too yeah. hard. Um, they'll have their input, but like I said, some some are completely hands off. Yeah, they just say, "I trust you. This is what I hired you to do. This is why you're here. Do your thing. If you need anything from me, let me know." Yeah, and, and uh, so in in this weight room, it's probably different across the board. People find this, but there's people that coach different ways. But have you, in your culture, in your coaching, are you able to be pretty honestly critical to the athletes and be like, "You're doing this wrong." Or do you kind of have to be like cheer, cheer, like cheering them up, like maybe do this? Or are you able to be like, hey, you're doing this wrong? 
I need you to yeah. do this. Uh, you know, just kind of like blunt and honest. I've been more towards the second way. I kind of set that standard early. Yeah. I, my coaching style, I'm not a yeller and screamer. I'm not the big, loud, boisterous coach in here. I'm not going to yell at a kid if they do something right. Yeah. I'm not going to be the one jumping around waving a towel when they do something great either. I'm pretty even keeled that way. But they know when I'm going to make a coaching point, I'm, I get right to it. I'm not going to beat around the bush and sugarcoat it. I'm going to tell yeah. them pretty bluntly if it looked terrible. I'm going to tell you that looked terrible. But this is how we can fix it. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, I just kind of set that standard with them early. And, and you know, they've kind of adjusted to it where they realize it's not a personal attack on them. Just cutting right to the point, making sure we know the change. And if they yeah. know why I'm making the change or why I'm making the correction and that they're not wrong, that we're trying to help them, they buy into it a little bit more. Yeah, and uh, I think that helps build trust, in yeah. my opinion. Oh, I agree. They're not like you're beating around the bush and trying to, like, they're like, okay, he's going to tell me yep. the truth. He's going to tell me right off. He's not going to, you know, I think it just Well, and that's how it mimics their sport, too. I mean, if you're if, if you're in a game and say you're playing online because that's what I'm familiar with and you come off the field and you miss the block, they're not going to sugarcoat it. Yeah. I can guarantee you that. <laughs> yeah. Like, good job. You tried really hard. It's yeah. okay. Well, that yeah. doesn't really count for everything. Yeah. Right, you know? So, yeah, I think it mimics it mimics the whole culture and it matches what they're doing in their sports. And when they first, yeah, anyway. when, when they first come in, I try to make it really clear that the weight room is a place. I'm okay with you making mistakes. Mm-hmm. Mistakes are okay in here. I, I, I encourage it. If you never make a mistake, if you never make missing a lift, we're not really pushing you beyond what you're capable of we're not really getting that yeah. development i want them to if you're hitting every single set and every rep and you never miss anything we're not doing something right so i tell them right from the start it's okay to make mistakes don't be scared to make mistakes that's fine mm-hmm. but when you do one we're going to figure out why and we're going to make corrections we're mm-hmm. going to i'm going to tell you exactly what it is i'm not going to worry about whether it hurts your feelings or not you know i'm going to tell you you need to get better at this or not yeah, yeah. but i try to make it clear to them at the start you're never going to be in trouble for making a mistake in here um you know, yeah. it's just how we learn to grow. That's what's going to make them a better athlete. So, and have you noticed? Uh, so, I just ask all these because we've, I just been working with the youth again mm-hmm. for, and they're pretty simple. There's close ages. Like we're working with 17, 18 year olds, some of these freshmen are younger. But it just seems like it, it used to be more of a yes sir, I'll fix that. Yes, you know. And now when we give feedback, or at least I've seen, there's always an. Ex- there's always a reason why. Oh, yeah. always an excuse. there's always an excuse. And I'm yeah. like, I would just appreciate if you would just say yes, sir, and then try to apply that. Like, yeah. I don't need to hear 13 reasons why you missed that block. Like, yeah. you know what I'm saying? Yeah, there's a lot of answers. They all, they have an explanation for it, and that's one of the things I tried to, you know, stop early. Yeah. So I, this isn't a conversation. I'm telling you, this is how we do it. Yeah. I don't care what previous coach told you to do it this way yeah. or what coach you saw do it this way or what athlete you saw. At Idaho State, this is how we do things. This is our expectation. So that's how we're going to do. We're not going to front squat with our arms crossed. Yeah. And you know, I don't care if your wrists are a little sore. We're going to hold the front squat right. Yeah. And we're going to get over it and we're going to build some wrist flexibility. Don't tell me you can't do it. Yeah. Don't tell me the last coach <laughs> let you do it or your high school coach. That's fine. That's good. That was them. We're different now. So yeah. we're squat below ninety. We're going to do things certain ways. And I just try to set that standard. You still get it. You still get the. You know the talking back and the answers and all that. Some teams are worse than others. Some athletes are worse than others. But yeah. it's just one of those challenges you learn to adapt. And I think it goes back to the trusting. The more they learn to trust you, the more they realize you're not out to get them, and it's not a personal attack. So they start to come up with those excuses less and less, and just say, "Okay, I realize you're trying to help me now. You're not trying to, you know, embarrass me in front of everyone and tell me I'm terrible at this lift or at this play or whatever." Yeah, you know they start to buy in. Yeah, they, and they realize not take it as a personal yeah. attack. Take it as this guy we're wants to help, help me. Yeah, you yeah. care about me and you help me. That's so. all. Yeah, it just seems like you're, in my opinion, just from what this conversation is. ISU. This is one of the first things ISU needs is like to develop a culture in here, because it's it's pretty. Because it, obviously, before there hasn't really been like very much culture, very much buy in, yeah. in my opinion, and it, I think it carries over to our our sports. Most of our sports aren't that great. Like I think it starts in the weight room. Like this culture, hopefully in the next four, like however three yeah. years, we start to see, you know, better that, results on the field. That's part of why I, you know, I take the time out of my day on my weekends and days off, and I try to go to all the games. I try to be there, have the athletes see me standing on the sidelines watching the game, whatever, show that I'm supportive. If they see that I'm buying into what they're doing, they're mm-hmm. more likely to give that back and buy into what we're doing in here. Yeah, absolutely. So I, I go out of my way to try to be at every event and be at their dinners and awards things and 
graduations and all that kind of stuff and try to show them that I care about what they're doing. Because awesome. then it comes back around. I get better buy-in here. We get better work ethic. And it's that snowball effect. Yeah. We start to build that culture. We need to build your yeah. have a winning program. So. And if you can get 75% of the kids on board. Yeah. They, like then the new people walk in or the people that don't agree, they're still kind of just shamed yeah. into side or they, they just have to buy out. in because they have to yeah, get out or they either get the majority of people they, are they on board. and they find another spot the kids would bought into it and say this is the way we do it this is our culture yeah. and if you don't fit in then that's fine most of those kids and they look to transfer elsewhere and you know and then you have those group of kids that want to do things the right way and they're supporting and moving yeah. the program in the right direction and that all applies to yeah. private as well like you know yeah. if you can get you got to set a culture with your clients like what yep. what's the expectations you know, we expect you to be here. You're not, oh, you missed three days this week. Oh, it's yep. okay. Like, you know, you were busy. No. Yeah. You paid me a lot of money to be here. Be here. I want to coach you because, you know. Yep, that's one thing. I mean, if, if you ask my athletes about me, that's probably one of the things they would say about me the most. I'm a stickler for time. Yeah. We start our warm-up, our lift starts at the top of the hour whenever they're scheduled. If they're one second late, they're one second late, and they have the consequences. Yeah. And they think I do it just because I like punishing them or whatever, and they don't realize that it it's building that culture and that buy-in, and, the, and it's one of those standards I just said. This is how we do it. When my athletes come in the weight room, they wear Idaho State gear. Yeah, you're here. This is your school. You're gonna wear Idaho State gear. I don't want to see anything that's not school colors. I don't want to see your high school gear. I don't want to see your favorite protein. When you come out to work in my weight room, you're a Bengal, and that's what you're gonna wear. And they're gonna bit. get the same from me. You're yeah. not gonna see the previous schools I worked at. You're not gonna see me in my gear from my alma mater which happens to be in this conference yeah. you're never going to see me wearing that I'm going to wear Idaho State stuff because that's what I'm here to do yeah. so it's all those little details that people think don't matter, that matter. Um, but over they start to build up and eventually that's where you start to get those changes in the program that move it forward and kind of turn the tide and make the culture of what a good winning culture needs to be so yeah, yeah. for sure you got it sounds like you're doing a really good job, man. Yeah. <laughs> it's a work for, in progress. It's for a work for, sure, for some days I feel pretty good about it, and some days I get to the end of the day, I was like, oh, I really screwed this up today. I don't know what the hell I'm doing here. Well, dude, this, <laughs> like, you're in a hard position, and we hope to help out in the future. And it's just hopefully you got a new AD coming in. Hopefully there's just some buy-in. Yeah, like, the, this is where it starts. Yep, new president just started this year. Seems to be a big proponent for athletics and what athletics can do for a university and enrollment and. Yeah, uh, the the messages coming from him and from the very top of the university down are looking pretty encouraging. So hopefully that helps yeah. us move in the right direction. And that brings up like that's what's funny too is I always I've had this conversation a couple times with people and I'm like like the community that I, in Pocatello like wants to get behind a sport like mm-hmm. since they haven't really had a lot of uh, great relationship with ISU and like you should see the high school football games like they're packed like they're trying to yeah. find something to like buy into and it's just like. People go to schools when they're young, like if they're just trying to raise their enrollment. Like I went to Utah State because I went and visited and it was fun. Yeah. I wasn't like, what's their academics yep. look like? Like, oh, <laughs> they got good sports teams. That's fun. That was a fun game. Yeah. Like I, because they'll take us. Like you go and check out the campus. They'll take you to a football game. The student and like people are just fun. And I'm like, I went there because of that. I did not go to ISU. Like, I didn't choose there because they had a better program. Yeah. Like, I didn't even know, like, you don't even know what you're going into. You're just literally excited to move out of your parents' house. You know, so, like, if ISU could just get more, like, sports better and more on-campus activities, I feel like and, yeah. that would drive more enrollment than them saying, oh, we have a great pharmaceutical program. Yep. You know what I'm saying? Like and They're they're working on it. The, yeah. <laughs> the tailgate that they did last week, the president revamped the tailgate, had a few more people out. You know, it's a Friday game. It's tough. It's Labor Day weekend for football, but we had a few more people out there. I think our women's basketball program does a really good job, mm-hmm. and you you see it. They've been very successful, and you see yeah, the way good. the you see the way the community supports them. Yeah. When you go to a women's basketball game at ISU, there's a lot of people in the gym. When you go to their annual crab feed, that thing's sold out. People are behind that team. They're yeah. you know they're the beloved team of Pocatello. Yeah. We can get a few more teams to catch up with them and the success column. There's the community wants to get behind people. They want yeah. to be successful. They want to give back to the university. They want to be part of it, but. We have to do our part to make it, yeah. you know, something that yeah. they want to be part of before we go and ask them to come do all this stuff. We have to do yeah. our part to make that happen. So, yeah, yeah. I think the culture's changing around here. It's cool to see the opportunities there. Yeah. There's a lot of a lot of good people in the right positions, and these at you know our athletes here want it. We're getting starting to get the right kids here, the recruits, and that's just a matter of putting those wins in the right column. For sure. Yeah. 
Alright, you got anything else for him? I think I'm good, yeah. We'll, we'll awesome. wrap it up for this time. We'll definitely have to do a, another one. Where can uh, people find you if they want to like follow the I, like ISUs? Are you running a strength and conditioning page? Or do you have a we haven't done that. I'm starting page. to work on that a little bit. Um, I'm on Twitter at Coach Dan Ryan. That's where I post yeah. most of my ISU stuff. I'm working on getting with uh, a few of my interns trying to get an Instagram page up and going here in yeah. the next future. That's not going up. hasn't gone up yet, but that's yeah. one of the projects we want to get going just want to put it out there I want people in the community to see what they're doing and then mm-hmm. have a few other ideas in the pipeline that trying to run through administration trying to get some different clubs started where you know we start bringing some revenue into the weight room here trying to start a power club and kind of start spotlighting with newsletters and stuff like that what we're doing in the weight room and yeah so that you know the community sees something aside from just the sport and gets to know these athletes yeah. the way I do and what and the amount of work they put into what goes into a game day yeah so those are kind of some things we're working on. Haven't quite gotten them all ironed out yet, but it's works in progress. So yeah, so the, the I'll put this in the show notes so they can go and uh, follow you on on Twitter, and then awesome. in the future yeah. we'll uh, try to spread yeah. whatever you're we'll trying get, to we'll do. We'll get that other stuff so. on there. So all right, cool. Thanks for hopping on, right, man. Thanks, guys. Thank you, guys, for tuning in to Hans Athletics Radio, episode number seven with Daniel Ryan. And remember, some t- key takeaways from this episode would be. Um, Strength training is the king over speed training, especially for youth athletes. And the fastest way to get faster is to get stronger. If you want to develop a culture in your gym, remember consistency and setting the standard early are important. Um, If there's any questions you guys have or people you would like to hear from, let us know. We would be happy to reach out and get anyone on this podcast that you guys are interested in hearing from. And again, make sure to check out our website, HanceAthletics.com, if you're looking to take your training to the next level. We have multiple training teams there that will make sense for the different goals that you have for your training. And go ahead and reach out to us if you have any questions. And I appreciate you guys listening. And again, if you will go out, it really helps us if you guys will go out and leave a review. Go to iTunes, go to Spotify, leave a review, follow us on Instagram, Hanson Athletics, and just help us spread the word. Thanks, guys.